old-timer like me, you know what that music is. The original NFL Today on CBS. We're going to talk a little National Football League as we fire up hour number two of the Press Box. Coming to you on great radio stations throughout the Southeast. Chattanooga to Savannah. Mobile to Jackson, Mississippi. Great to have you with us all over the Southeast. Mike Grace along with Bart Heitch and Jason Powers as we fire up hour number two. And Jason fired up about our next guest who you bring to us. Recruited out of the Tampa St. Pete area to play safety at the University of Missouri. Began his coaching career as a graduate assistant with the uh, Tigers there. Joined Bill Snyder's staff at K-State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Promoted to co-defensive coordinator there. And then four years later hired by USF to build the Bulls a football program. Just picked up 95 wins over his time there, went to uh, five straight bowl appearances as well, then made the jump to the National Football League in 2011, hired by some guy named Jim Harbaugh to uh, help run the 49ers defense. Uh, that followed with defensive coordinator positions at uh, Colorado, at Oregon, at FSU, FAU, SMU. What, what did I leave out, Jason? Just an all-around good dude. Oh, I know. good dude. I know. I know what I left out. He's the former star quarterback for the Rebels of Dixie Holland's High yes, School sir. down in the Tampa area. That's a, bring in Boy, your... I'm, I'm confused. Boy, we went through all those years in a, in a, in a hurry. Welcome uh, inside the press box, Jim Levitt. Great to have you here, man. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys on a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday morning here in the Tampa Bay area. How about those Niners? That's right. Let's get right to it. Super Bowl Sunday coming up. You had the pleasure to to uh, to coach in one of these, in one of the more famous ones, the Harbaugh versus Harbaugh one in New Orleans back in 2013. For those of you that don't remember, the lights go out in the game at, at a point in the game. You had a controversial finish at the end of the game with with I know with Crabtree and an interference call that wasn't called. Just yeah, give me one controversial. It should have been called. Uh, period. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing controversial about it. They missed it. Yeah. They missed it. They absolutely missed it. It wasn't yeah. even close. Right. Talk just talk about the Super Bowl experience as a coach. You know, obviously I know you're into the you know, when you're in the moment, you're in the X's and O's, but just the entire week of being in New Orleans, the 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 all the pageantry of the Super Bowl game day, you get to, you know, you you've told me a story. Talk to the audience about hanging, being arm's length away from Beyonce at halftime. Just give us a little Super Bowl kind of the the experience as a coach. Well, you know, I remember vividly uh, going into our hotel uh, in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, we had two weeks for prepare. And, you know, you're right there by uh, uh, Bourbon Street and all that. But honestly, I did not leave the meeting room. Um for the entire two-week period other than one day. I, I I really felt like, you know, most people don't ever have a, a chance to win a Super Bowl or even be in a Super Bowl. And I wanted to do all I could to make sure the linebackers were on point. You know, I had Pat Willis and Navarro Bowman. And, of course, Vic Fangio, our defense coordinator, you know, handled Ahmad Brooks and Alden Smith, the outside backers. But they were kind of all together once in a while. And uh, I remember giving them reminders for the game of 16 pages. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of diagrams, pictures, you don't want all that writing. And um, I just want to have them be extremely well prepared. Uh, I did go out one time and ran into some people that I thought were, it was just real interesting, the whole, the whole aura 
about the Super Bowl and the media and all the, you know, I had so many people. I mean, I'm just the assistant coach, a linebacker coach, but it's amazing the throng of media presence there. It's it's overwhelming, to be honest with you. And I've been around a lot of media in my life, you know, and uh, but nothing like what I saw at the uh, Super Bowl. And then, you know, when the, when the uh, game starts, it's like any game. Now, what was really different was, you know, they had, uh, was it Shady Brook where they had the shootings of the elementary school kids way back a number of years ago, right. if you remember. Yeah. Well, I remember vividly coming out before the game and seeing all these kids, and they were all so excited, and they all had smiles, and they were all and I went up to him all, and I said, now I want you to sing really, really, really good. <laughs> really good. And lo and behold, it was kids from that elementary school. Wow. And I, oh, yeah. when I found that out, I was overwhelmed by it all. And then, honestly, it wasn't at halftime, but I wheeled around to go over to the sideline and almost ran, I mean, almost knocked her over, Beyonce. She was <laughs> right there, and I go, oh, wow. <laughs> oh wow yeah i i didn't oh. say anything i didn't you know hey uh can i get your autograph or anything like that but uh you know i was you know almost knocked her over i was right i mean i was there's you know people on the sideline and everything and um then uh and then when the game goes you know the game goes you don't you know your thoughts are not that you're for me my thought was not that i was in the super bowl that i was coaching uh for the 49ers you know, in that game, hardball versus hardball, it was just perform. And it was like any other game where you want your guys to perform at a very high level and you want to be on point during the game with adjustments, you know, of this or that. And they they got out on us really big. You know, I mean, they, they really were ahead of us by a lot. But we came storming back. And I remember us handing off to Frank Gore and him waltzing into the end zone at the end of the fourth quarter and I know Jim had called a timeout right before that play, or right during. It was, it was really close. And everybody I noticed still this day wonders what would have happened if that timeout would have been called. But the last play, the ball goes up. I really did not see the play because it was on our side of the field and um, incomplete. And then, you know, they run out the clock. But later on, I saw the video of it, and it was – the, it was horrific, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, Crabtree got, you know, just got wrapped up with both arms by the defensive back, and it was to me a very easy call. It was interference, and you know, uh, we would have got the ball right there, and you know, odds are we're going to score, and you know, probably win the game. You know, and uh, but it, handle- was, it was quite experience. How did you handle the lights going out when that whole scenario, when the, remember the lights went out in the Superdome and there was like a 20-minute delay? How did you handle that? As a team, well, did you just let the guys relax, or how did you guys handle that? Well, no, everybody was on the bench. You just kind of did their own thing, I, you know, because we didn't know how long it was going to be. And uh, we were getting beat pretty good at that point. Uh, I went down to the end of the sideline, just got on a knee, and just kind of was looking over at the Ravens. You know, they were all really happy, like they thought, you know, it was going to be a blowout. And, um, you know, I was kind of disgusted with that, you know, but, you know, I just waited, you know, not a lot you're going to do at that point. You know, you're really on top of your game, which, you know, we're 
I mean, as far as you, you know, the players, uh, you know, we, we work all the way through the games so during that time. I really didn't do a whole lot, you know, other than, you know, waiting until the lights come back on. Yeah. You know, Coach, so. Coach Bard here. I, I actually, um, you mentioned adjustments. Um, and I think the NFL is the, is the one sport to where adjustments, man, at halftime. It's amazing how good you guys are. <laughs> I was actually in Atlanta at that NFC championship game. Oh, um, when that's because you talk, you got behind in that game, if I'm not mistaken, early too, because you came storming back and the second half adjustments. I'm just curious about that. Like, is a game like this, is it more intense in that locker room? Is everybody still the same? I mean, are the leaders, the guys like the Patrick Willis's, Navarre Bowman's, like you mentioned, kind of give us some of that inner setting of those locker rooms in AFC championship halftimes and Super Bowl halftimes? Well, you know, really, it's not always the halftime. You're really adjusting through the game. And you're, you know, we had those, uh, you know, they, we, you know, we've got, we had pages, but then they were just going to those electronics, you know, where we had the, uh, uh, you know, the board that we could really show some things to the players. And we really always talk and communicate during, like, the first half. And we're always talking about what's happening, what's going on, who's making the mistakes, what issues are there in your um, you know, defense that was called and the discipline of certain players. And those are really being recorded before halftime. When you go to halftime, you don't have uh, a lot of time. It, it, and it wasn't like uh, uh, college. You know, you have a little bit more, but still in college you have to, you had to, you had to get to what you got to get to. But you have Vic Fangio who's up in a press box and – you know, they have a throng of people that try to get them down to the locker room in time. So usually what happens is when you go to the halftime, you're you're meeting with your guys before the D coordinator gets down to talk about quickly some of the things you need to, you know, have done. But also you've got different players that are going to get wrapped up. They're getting iced. They're getting taped up more. They're getting, exactly. you know, that part ends up being an issue sometimes. Uh, depending on what key player is not really right there at the board. Then when the defense coordinator comes down or uh, or if I was writing and Vic Meyer was, was maybe sharing some of the things, you go to bullet points. You know, you're looking at one, two, three bullet points that you, you've got to get corrected. And you're not going to be able to, you know, save the world with everything, but you, you really get to those main points. And uh, uh, whoever is more efficient, with getting major issues done in that short time period, usually, you know, has a lot of success in the second half because there's so much parity, uh, certainly in the NFL and certainly in the, uh, you know, in the NFC uh, championship game or uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, but that game in Atlanta was unbelievable. I mean, Atlanta had a great yeah. quarterback, and you know, and it came down to uh, I think it was an in route or whatever they were driving, and Navarro Bowman knocked the pass down and there was controversy on that one whether he interfered with the receiver of course I'm on the line. absolutely not absolutely yeah, so not I, I say absolutely <laughs> there was there was no interference no not even close <laughs> but that Mark. was a great game great game a lot of my family was right there and uh that was a great game and i never forget talking to willis and uh, bowman right after that and they said right away coach we're not going to celebrate we're not going to celebrate. We want to win the Super Bowl. And they mentioned right away teams that celebrate too much don't 
you know, you sometimes struggle in the Super Bowl. So that's kind of interesting. Coach, I want, I want to transition back to your your, your college days. You've obviously you've, you've been at the highest levels, a head coach, defensive coordinator, a bunch of different places, big schools, smaller schools. <clears throat> Give the audience a little perspective of handling the NIL nowadays. You you were there a couple you know a couple years back on the on the start of it. Just know as a coach, having to know you have to re-recruit your guys every year, whether it's your guys, whether it's the transfer portal, still recruiting high school kids and dealing with the portal people and the boosters and all that. Give the audience a little perspective from the coach's point of view. We've seen Jeff Halfley leave Boston College to go to the NFL and his big answer was, I don't want to be dealing with the NIL anymore. Just give a little coach's perspective of the, the, the issue of NIL and, and fixing it. Well, sometimes, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody has the answer to fixing it. You know, I think they opened up a can of worms and I don't think the, the toothpaste is open now. I don't know if you're ever going to go back. I think it's uh, I don't think it's good at all for college football, you know, for many, many reasons. And we could talk for days on this. Uh, but the bottom line is you lose control of so many things. And, um, you know, where's, where's it going to go? I mean, how, how do you justify this? How do you justify Purdy, who is the MVP in the NFL, going to play in the Super Bowl, getting paid about $850,000 a year, when you have a backup quarterback in Texas making $2.6 How do you justify people that are going into college that haven't done really a lot? We, we, we always struggle with that in the NFL also because these guys make all this money and haven't performed yet in the NFL. These guys have not even performed in college making all this money that might have to take a pay cut to go to the NFL. I mean, it's uh, something's wrong with that whole picture. No matter how you look at it, something's wrong. And I don't know about re-recruiting my players. If I'm, uh, if I'm at a program, I hope I treat my players really good and, uh, and they understand uh, where things are in our program. Where you have an issue is when you come into another program, a new staff comes in, and you have to recruit players that you do not know. Right. That becomes a real issue because, you know, the movement in college football is, uh, you know, there's a lot. I mean, you see it all the time. And uh, and then you've got all these different signing dates that go on at all different times uh, with the transfer portal, uh, with different signing dates, uh, with the NIL. It's, um, it's confusing. And I don't think it's good for anybody. I don't. I think it's uh, sad. It all points to just, you know, four teams or five teams or six teams. You know, in some ways, you know, I go back to I've coached forty-two years. I go back to, you know, when they didn't have any of it, and all the bowl games meant an awful lot, a lot more. And I think people probably watched them a lot more. Now the television audience, obviously, the population is growing, and the television audience for these main games are enormous, and. It certainly hadn't slowed down college football, but you know it's it's uh, a lot of bowl games you don't even watch anymore. Right, You're, you know, everybody's going to watch the last two games and then the championship game. I, I've talked to so many that they go through here. I mean, these are people who love football and watch any of the games, none of them. And um, you know that's that's sad. Now, if you're in a smaller college like South Florida, because they're not in the position of the Alabamas and the uh, Florida States or any of those people just, I don't know where I'd use my NL. I don't, I don't have that money anyone. And the only reason you would, you, you'd have to be aware of the NIL is like you said to 
make sure you don't lose players. Like you have, like South Florida has a very good quarterback. How do they hold on to him? Well, might have to pay him some money. You hope that there's some allegiance to South Florida. You hope that he knows he's in a position where, uh, in a big picture, if he plays a lot, breaks a lot of records, that's going to help his draft status. If he goes to an unknown situation, you don't know. Uh, that's how you can hold on to him, and then you you probably pay him a little bit of money, you know, to a position like that. So, you know, I haven't answered the questions, but I what I have steered you to is. I get why people don't want to deal with it. And um, I, I, I wouldn't have a lot of fun with it, I don't think. Final minute with Coach Jim Levitt as we uh, talk football and Super Bowl 58. Uh, if you Put your headset on. As the coach, how do you stop Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense on Sunday? Well, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult. You know, it's um, how do you stop them? I don't know. You know, one thing I know is I like it's everybody knows that you got to stop the explosive plays when he gets out of the pocket and he keeps his eyes downfield. You can't let anybody get away from you on a vertical round. Uh, you know, you've got you, you got to stop the explosive plays. And then the other thing that's going to be really important, you know, it's hard to get to him. Everybody tries because he moves so well, you know. But, um, you know, obviously you want, to, you want to shut that run game down. You don't want to let them have balance. Uh, but you got to get you got to get a takeaway. you got to get a couple of them in this game uh, for the 49ers to have a chance, I think. Um, but, you know, they, they've done okay with the run game. And, uh, and then he, and then explosive plays when he gets out of that pocket. Uh, it's very difficult. He knows a little something about it. The uh, head yeah. coach of the USF Bulls, again, uh, throughout the, his both collegiate and National Football League career, a winner wherever he was. Jim Levin, thanks so much for the time, man. Enjoy uh, this fantastic day down in Tampa and your Super Bowl, and we hope to have you back inside the press box sometime soon. I right, appreciate you guys. You bet. Jim Levitt with us again, courtesy of Jason Powers, the Powers on Sports podcast. Find it wherever you find your favorite podcast and the Powers on Sports YouTube channel. Again, just look for, uh, again, the uh, Powers on Sports wherever you might uh, find them. When we come back, we've got odds and ends. No, it's Powers Picks time. That's right, a Super Bowl 58 edition of the Powers Picks. And later, we'll talk basketball Auburn, Alabama style with the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. Still to come as Hour 2 of the Press Box rolls on for this Hump Day Wednesday. 